0: Together Thanks for
1: listening to the KC Morning Show
0: Everything's running smoothly
1: It's Kitty. Say hi, Kitty. It's Kitty. We, uh... Well, we, we're gonna do a show today. We planned on doing a show today. But guess what, y'all? Ch- uh, cha boy and cha girl. We getting that back, y'all. Do a thing. Do a thing. Do a woo-woo. Hooty-hoo. Full show back in your feeds on Friday. But get this. I did have a chance to kick it with a homie from KU. I believe the children... Are our future kitty am i right you are so right yeah, i know josh mcmillan he is the co-president of the students for sensible drug policy at ku they're doing the damn thing let's talk about it rock chalk am i right kitty you ready to go we gotta let's go we gotta go we're sedalia we we'll go let's we'll do it did you did you fill up the tank i thought you were taking your car i thought you were driving Whack. This the, we really gotta figure some stuff out y'all all right my name's Artzel, that's kitty we'll see you in the morning back to the Josh McMillan. Josh is the co-president of Students for Sensible Drug Policy at KU. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining the KC Morning Show, brother.
0: Hey, thanks, Hartzell. I really appreciate being on the show, and I hope I can live up to that intro.
1: (laughs) Where's your mind at? How's your head doing? Your mental. Are you taking care of yourself? This is wild, and we're not talking about this enough, but how are you doing?
0: I got to say, it can get pretty tough, especially adapting to online schooling and all that I I like being in person for classes Uh, as far as drug policy though I mean it's it's amazing for it you can just reach out to anyone and everyone's used to doing things on zoom so if you want to talk to someone in California we have meetings for that that you can go to and talk to drug policy activists in California it's it's really great to have this sort of connection online now uh, because you don't have to travel and spend a whole bunch of money doing it. So there's some big moves going on in drug reform because of it, and I'm happy to be a part of it.
1: What are you doing? What's What's the big thing on your agenda that you guys are working on right now?
0: Currently, the biggest thing on KUSSDP's agenda is the medical marijuana reforms in the Kansas House and Senate right now. We are working with uh, the Kansas Cannabis Coalition on that project, uh, and the front runners on that in the House and the Senate are the Kansas Cannabis Business Association, and they have been doing some amazing work to pass some medical marijuana bills in kansas i was raised in a sort of environment as, as many people are where you know drugs and drug users they're all pushed into this category of people that are lesser than and with how common drug use is especially marijuana use i mean that's not really true there are a lot of really great successful people that use drugs and use them to better their life and they're going to prison for it and it's mostly people of color that are going to prison for it it's it's not really people like me i'm i grew up white middle class And it just disproportionately affects those people, and I have friends that have lost their funding for college and things like that just for a little bit of weed, and it really doesn't make any sense. And a goal of SSDP is sort of bring more POC voices and give them the platform that was taken away from them, even though they've been saying this stuff for years, give them the platform to spread this knowledge. Because they're the ones most effective, and they know what to do best. You know
1: what is happening right now that we don't know about. You know that you, what what should we know about?
0: So I mean, there's a lot of drug reforms going around across the country. Um, SSDP is involved in all sorts of things. Uh, we focus on mostly the decriminalization of all drugs and decarceration and some safety education. I, I got into it primarily because of psychedelics, as, as a lot of people do in SSDP, because there's a lot of great psychedelic science going on right now for PTSD trauma. trauma, depression, things like that, and that science is really promising in the mental health realm, so it attracts a lot of people there, but once we all get into SSDP, we start Getting exposed to, you know, just decriminalizing drugs like that doesn't help out that many people. And you start to realize that campaigns that are single drugs like marijuana and psychedelics, they, they really, well, marijuana being the exception because that's where most of the drug arrests are, but psychedelics, if you were to decriminalize that, doesn't help a whole lot of people. It'd be more useful to medicalize that. Bottom line, these drugs are mostly supported by, you know, white middle class or white upper class people in academia. And those are the drugs that, you know, do have some good medical value, but decriminalizing them really only helps users who only use those drugs. And when you get into all of that, you start to realize that, and goal is going to have to be to end the war on drugs if you really want to reduce harm and you want people to be safe when they're using drugs you really have to end all of them so ssdp is really working on a lot of localized and state-level decriminalization efforts for all drugs like in oregon uh, measure 109 110 ssdp was supporters of that we also have some stuff going on in michigan and even right here in our hometown missouri crossing paths pac they're working on uh, some really good reforms Mostly marijuana reform, psychedelic reform, they have a right to try avenue with that one with Missouri, some all drug decriminalization and legalization. And the most important one for me is the collateral consequences and sentencing reform. Uh, once you start to change these laws, it really doesn't make any sense for people that went to jail for, you know, a, a gram of weed or something like that to still be in there. defelinization it's really important to have uh, decarceration along with that. So to right the wrongs that we did to these people just because they made a personal health decision.
1: And I know we hear that in Kansas City and I know we see the stats. And I know we know it, but it feels to me and it feels like it just goes in one ear and out the other. What do you think we need to know? Like, what do you think what hit home here in the heartland for us to realize that, whoa, hold on, maybe everything we were taught about marijuana or just the whole idea of just equitable drug policy, maybe everything we thought was wrong. What do we have to do here locally to get to that point?
0: I'm, I've got all the information for that today. So I'm really excited you asked that question. We've been sold the idea that the war on drugs is a war on crime. It's really not a war on crime. In fact, it actually increases crime and violence across the globe. If you look back at any form of prohibition, you look back at alcohol prohibition, you know, in the, the early 20th century, what happened with that? People started making a black market. The, the supply was contaminated and people got sick. They went blind, all sorts of things like that. And then you have the mafia, of course, you know, the mob running things and using drugs as a major source of funding and the drug in their case was alcohol. And you see that today in the exact same way with all the illegal drugs that the Controlled Substances Act declared illegal, and it's sort of spread across the globe. And if you look at the stats on drug use and the effects, drugs only increase violence in people that are already violent. So it's really more about the people and not the drugs itself. People getting served no-knock warrants, getting killed, and it's it's, it's just okay because they had drugs on them or they sold weed. You know, it's it's not okay. It's, it's an excuse for police departments to have huge budgets so they can have SWAT teams to go in, break down people's doors and take the drugs and Historically, what that has done to communities, especially the BIPOC community, is that they're over-policed, over-incarcerated, they go to jail at extremely higher rates. And the funny thing is, white people and people of color use drugs at very, very similar rates. In fact, people of color are slightly less likely to use drugs than white people. But there's tons of police in those neighborhoods. And even though that Black and Latinx people make up roughly 30% of the population, They constitute 60% of the drug arrests in the U.S. That statistic cannot be interpreted any other way than these communities are being unfairly targeted. And the whole thing just contributes to the prison system, to feed people for labor. There's some great documentaries on this, and uh, this in the context of crack in the 80s on Netflix. You have the 13th and the crack documentary with Dr. Carl Hart in it. And they just expose this whole long line of racist policies that have led to the war on drugs.
1: You know, that's the stuff that we keep missing. And I guess that's why I keep trying to push, you know, we are always going to be on the defensive on this issue until we do what? What is that what, Josh?
0: Decriminalize all drugs and support campaigns that decriminalize drugs. Now, you got to be careful because some of these campaigns are designed in a way that still impacts vulnerable communities. If you look at a lot of the marijuana legislation in existence today in the U.S., they have things like high dollar amounts on licenses and things like that that really keep people from getting involved unless they're already well off. Um, And that's not the goal of decriminalization. You want to support campaigns that have provisions for people of color, people that, and especially in psychedelic campaigns, provisions for indigenous people because psychedelics have been used for millennia by indigenous people as a medicine, and they should have rights to grow it and cultivate it themselves. You have to analyze each campaign in your state, like the ones going on in Missouri. Those are some great ones uh, with crossing paths. You have to make sure that they're not just perpetuating some more harmful policies. And uh, when supporting decriminalization of drugs and and things like that, you also got to look out for drug users. I know the the opioid, so-called opioid crisis in the U.S., it's really an overdose crisis um, in the U.S. You have to look at things like, are we taking care of these people after decriminalization? Because decriminalization is, you know, let's not arrest these people anymore because it doesn't make sense to arrest them for a health issue. But we have to also come up with supportive systems like supervised use sites, uh, have naloxone, Narcan available for people who use. And have drug checking, drug testing available for everyone, which uh, is sort of a legal gray area. All those things are sort of legal gray areas right now, especially the drug checking thing. It's considered paraphernalia in states like Kansas. So they make it illegal for people to be safe and then blame drugs for people using them unsafely after they made it illegal for them to be used safely.
1: What is your response to those folks? Because I, I know right now I got people in the car. They're saying, Arsel, Artsel, what are you doing? They're going to say that we are going to help promote folks who would be uh, naturally inclined to become addicted or folks who are already addicted because they're going to say that you're adding to the problem.
0: I I get that argument a lot. You know, you're just going to make it worse. Show me a single drug policy that we've had since the beginning of the war on drugs uh, that is in line with the beliefs of the war on drugs that has reduced overdoses or has reduced addiction. You can't. Overdoses have increased since the war on drugs started, and it's mostly because these people cannot use safely. And I know there's a lot of stigma around opioid use and things like that. And there are some valid concerns with that. However, we have to look into the history of these drugs and how they've been used for thousands of years, hundreds of years in the U S over the counter with fairly few problems. They really didn't become problematic until we started associating drugs with certain groups of people and said that they were harming white people because they were intermingling with these groups of people or ridiculous claims that, you know, uh, I think it was cocaine that, you know, black men were impervious to 32 caliber bullets after they had some cocaine, which is is ridiculous. And, And those are the sort of things that, you know, keep these drugs being stigmatized today. Now SSDP does not condone drug use, nor does it condemn drug use. We just want to make sure that if people choose to use, which is their choice, it's bodily autonomy, you know, my body, my choice they should be able to use safely.
1: Well, I'm going to say what I think and I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'm talking to somebody in college. So I feel liberal today and I've been smoking some (laughs) weed. The war on drugs was a war on the drug user, which means that we are due reparations and reparations means that we have to be funded. It means they have to pay us. This is going to be a lot of money that's going to be spent on folks that a lot of people have demonized for generations and generations. That is, I think, going to always be our, our biggest struggle. You know, what are the budgets that get cut? The quickest. It's the social welfare programs that we need, that we should be living and breathing on. What else is the government for?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you brought up funding because there's a really obvious place that funding can come from. And it's something that movements like Black Lives Matter have been calling for. They, they call for defund the police. Decriminalization efforts and drug legalization efforts are defund the police efforts because if they're not chasing drugs and need the big SWAT teams and, you know, every police unit has a tank, you know, we don't need that if there's not a big war on drugs. They don't need the amount of funding that they use for the war on drugs and for incarcerating people who just use drugs and aren't associated with any other violent crimes or anything like that. You can take all of that funding and easily pay for it all of these services for people. You can pay for, you know, if someone does get caught with drugs and they don't want them to be completely legalized yet, it's a decriminalized sort of thing, then they, you know, pay whatever their $10 fine is, which is still sort of criminalization in a way, but they pay their fine and they get a mental health check and an evaluation. You know, are, are you concerned about your drug use? Is it causing problems in your life? And if so, we have these treatment services available for you and refund them with the money that would have gone to incarcerate you and keep you in a cage. So that's, that's where the money, I think, should come from. It might not turn out that way because we know how government runs things and how all that stuff turns out, but that's where it should come from is the stuff that was used to incarcerate people and to decimate neighborhoods and over-police them. Put it into safe drug use, put it into drug education, something other than, oh, you're going to be addicted after one hit or die. You know, give people real education and real resources to be safe.
1: Josh, thank you so much for doing this, brother. Keep fighting the good fight.
0: Thank you, Hartzell. Thanks for having me today, and I hope to come back soon.
1: Absolutely. Rock chock.
0: straight to one place right to Kansas City. The KC Morning Show. You're listening listening to the KC KC Morning Morning Show. Show.